the stops of Jesus. We hear a lot about the steps of Jesus. I'm going to talk to you today about the stops of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. This is Isaiah speaking, prophesying about the coming Messiah. He says, The Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Thank God for that. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. The Lord, Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, and He has anointed me to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them, watch this, what a great trade-off, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy in the place of mourning, the garment of praise, instead of the spirit of heaviness. You give him the ashes, you give him the mourning, you give him the heaviness, and he gives you beauty, joy, and praise. That they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, the planting of the Lord. Can you say with me, I've been planted by the Lord so that he'll be glorified. Thank you for your word, Lord. Bless it to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, God's going to bless you today. You can be seated. In the most popular Super Bowl commercial of all time, Pittsburgh Steeler Mean Joe Green is shown injured and limping to the locker room when a little boy approaches him from behind and calls out these words, Mr. Green, need any help? Here's this little boy talking to this giant of a football player. Mean Joe kind of looks behind him a little bit, doesn't even look straight at the little boy. Says, nah, and keeps walking. Then the boy says, I just want you to know, I think you're the best ever. Mean Joe replies, yeah, yeah. Then the boy says, you all saw it, you've all seen it. The boy says, hey, Joe, want my Coke? And he kind of turns around, the little boy says, really, you can have it. Mean Joe stops, Mean Joe stops, turns around, says, well, I guess so. And he turns sideways in that classic pose and drinks the Coke. In the meantime, the little boy begins to walk away. And here's where the advertisement just hits you in the gut. As he's walking away, Mean Joe Green says, hey, kid. The little boy stops and turns around and he takes off his jersey and hurls it to him. And the little boy catches it and the Coke song comes up and the first time you saw it, just like me, you probably cried. (laughs) The advertising world, did you know that the advertising world has tried for years to analyze what made that commercial so powerful? Because it is the number one most loved and most watched commercial of all time. When they first showed it, television stations all over America began to receive calls from people wanting to know when they were going to show it again. What gave that commercial so much power? Did you know that Coca-Cola, who authored the commercial, spent $10 million trying to uncover the formula so they could duplicate it, but they never could. They failed. 
What was the magic of that commercial? What was it about that commercial that tugged at our heartstrings and made us want to see it over and over again? It touched something deep down inside. Now, I'm not an advertising executive, but I'm going to tell you, I've got a hunch what made that commercial so powerful. Greatness and power stopped at the heart cry of a little boy in need. Greatness and power stopped at the heart cry of a need. Greatness stopped for him, and greatness touched him. He didn't just stop for him, but he imparted something of himself to him. It's a very similar experience for those people in Scripture whose heart cry made Jesus stop. But it wasn't just greatness that stopped for them. Not like me and Joe Green, great football player, inspirational personality, but when Jesus stopped, ladies and gentlemen, God stopped. We hear a whole lot about the steps of Jesus. There's books in the bookstore written on the steps of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ taking the steps. He went here, he went there, he walked here, he walked there. We go to the Holy Land just to see where Jesus walked. And we will go and pray in places we know Jesus walked. But I got to thinking this week, you know, I've heard a lot about the steps of Jesus, but I haven't heard a whole lot about the stops of Jesus. In even his stops, we find the prophecy of Isaiah concerning his ministry fulfilled. The brokenhearted were healed when he stopped. The captives were set free when he stopped. The prison doors were open for captives when he stopped. Even in his weariness, when he stopped at Jacob's well, a woman was one to him who turned her town upside down. Every time Jesus stepped, it had epic ramifications. But it also had epic ramifications when Jesus stopped. I got to thinking about the stops of Jesus this week. And I thought, you know, it was such a powerful thing when somebody came up behind him or stood in front of him or called from a distance, called his name, called out of a heart cry, called out of a need, and Jesus would stop. Whatever he was doing, wherever he was going, even on his way to the cross, he stopped. He was such a a master of meeting the needs of an individual. In the next few weeks, I'm going to talk to you about some of the people Jesus stopped for and what made him stop. Because I don't know about you folks, but if Jesus is passing by, I want him to stop right here. I want Jesus to stop in my life. I want him to stop and look at me. I want him to stop and talk to me. I want him to stop and touch me. We need Jesus to stop. Come on, everybody. I I believe in seeking the Lord, and and Tommy Tenney wrote a book called The God Chasers, and I am chasing him. But Oh, I'm going to tell you something. If you chase him, if you seek him, the day will come, the hour will come when he will stop, and he will turn, and he will throw his mantle your way. He'll impart something to you. He'll give something to you. He'll he'll bless you with something you could never have had if Jesus Christ had not stopped. We read in the Bible about a woman with an issue. 
And I want to talk to you today for a moment about the woman with the issue. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 8, one of the two Gospels that talks about her, Matthew talks about her, Luke talks about her. In Luke chapter 8, verses 43 to 48, we hear about Jesus. He's just walking along like he always was. He was walking along. And you know, I noticed whenever anybody asked him to stop, he stopped. Even the disciples on the middle of the ocean, when they were straining at rowing, and it looked like Jesus was going to walk by them, walking on the water, he stopped. And when he got into the boat, suddenly it was where they needed it to be. Oh, there's power, folks, in asking Jesus to stop. There's power in seeking him. He, he's not only a stepping Savior, he's a stopping Savior. And this woman was walking along now. She heard about him. She had heard that Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead, cast out devils. There was nobody like him. And the Bible says that they spoke this of him. No man has ever spoken like this man. This woman... The Bible tells us had had an issue of blood. We don't know what it was exactly. None of the commentators can really tell you. We can only make an educated guess. Whatever it was, it had been going on for 12 years. Her body was anemic. It was depleted. She had an issue. The Bible calls it an issue. And this issue drained her of all her money. This issue drained her of fellowship. Because of this issue, she was declared ceremonially unclean and was not allowed to go into the house of God. So she was cut off from fellowship. It'd be like if you had something and you could not come into church because of it. You had to sit out there while everybody else enjoyed the presence of God and the fellowship of the saints. She could not go into the house of God. She heard about Jesus Christ, and, and God gave this woman a gift of faith. God gave her faith because an idea clicked in her mind. The idea was, you know what? He's too busy for me. He's got this crowd around him. They're pressing in on him. They're clamoring for him. They're all shouting for him. And he's walking by. If I can just push my way through and grab hold of the hem, the very edge of his garment, something is going to happen to me. You know, you can't put faith anywhere in the direction of Jesus Christ but what something is going to happen for you. You put your faith in the direction of Jesus Christ, even if it's just the hem of his garment, even if it's just the hem of his garment. And she said, if I can just do that, I will be healed. She had a real issue. All her money gone. The sad thing about her story is, is that she had money and lost it all. She had friends and lost them all. It wasn't that she never had anything, and so she didn't really lose anything. She had had the things that matter to people in this world and lost all of it because of the issue. And the issue had brought her to the edge and the brink of despair. Now, hers was a physical issue. But I want to talk to you about issues for a minute. This issue would not go away. It was bleeding her. It was taxing her. It was depleting her. It was robbing her. The word in the Greek language for issue is something that just keeps on flowing. It never ends. And that's what issues are like. They keep flowing, they keep arising, they keep on coming, and they never end. I see in our day, and I believe I'm right about this, as I watch the television and talk to people, I believe we live in an issue-infested culture. Many issues are bleeding people to death and bringing them to brink of despair. Offenses are issues. Jesus said, in the last days, before my return, offenses are going to increase. Bitterness against people. Offenses that are not forgiven. 
and bitterness and unforgiveness bleed our emotional reservoir until the quality of life, the quality of life is drained away because inside there's an issue, there is an offense, somebody hurt you, somebody offended you, you stumble over what they did, it hurts you deep down inside, you haven't been able to get past it, and so you're bleeding. You're bleeding. And the issue doesn't stop. I believe we live in a day of relationship issues. Relationship issues afflict millions of home and families every day. We can't get along, can't understand one another. Alienation and frustration set in because we've got this relationship issue. You've got people living in the same house that can't talk, living in the same house, can't get along, living in the same house, don't even know each other. You might as well be sharing separate hotel rooms because of relationship issues. Churches are split. Christians are split. Denominations are divided. This was never the will of God. When Jesus Christ died on that cross, spilled his blood and rose again from the dead, I guarantee you he did not do it so there could be 300 different denominations, none of which can get along or talk to each other. That is not the will of God. But we live in a day of relationship issues that are bleeding our culture. It just keeps on and keeps on and keeps on. Even in our own government, they're supposed to be serving us. They cannot get along. They can't even have a meeting without accusing one another and arguing with one another, fighting one another. I'm so tired of it. I wish they'd forgive one another and serve us like they're supposed to. We live in a culture of issues. This woman had an issue. It bled her almost to death. It took everything away from her. And we have issues. Most of you in here have an issue. There is something that just won't leave you alone. It bleeds you all the time. It works on you. It works on your mind. works on your thoughts. We live in a culture of addiction issues. Did you know that addictions are bleeding away the lives of millions of people in America right now? Addiction is an endless issue for many. Addiction. Up to 50% of all general hospital admissions. Up to 50% of all general hospital admissions are alcohol and drug-related addictions. Fifteen percent of all doctor visits to doctors may be alcohol-related. Thirty to forty percent of inpatient, inpatient hospital admissions are alcohol-related. Fifty to sixty percent of emergency room admissions are alcohol-related. At least fifteen percent of ambulance patients are alcohol and drug related. We live in an addicted culture. Kath and I were watching TV last night and here was little teenage girls, two little teenage girls. Looked like the girl next door. Looked as innocent as they possibly could. Yet, we watched them on television get sentenced to seven to eight years in prison because these girls put socks over their faces, gloves on, hid their identity, and went into convenience stores and other stores and held them up at gunpoint. These were the high school sweetheart types. These were the, these were the, kind, of type, the, the kind of girls you hope your son dates. And yet, they gave their lives over to cocaine, over to drugs, and in this drug-induced state in their minds, they began to hold up stores. And I'll never forget 
Them standing in front of that judge, their hands trembling, their eyes weeping, as they said, the worst thing that ever happened to me was the day I opened my life up to those drugs. They have absolutely destroyed me. They addicted me. And now they're in prison, spending some of the best years of their life behind closed doors, locked doors, because addiction issues rob them. Let me tell you something, folks. If there's an issue in your life, there's a Savior in heaven. And we need to handle the issues so that we can, once we've handled them in us, handle them in others. We're supposed to be a people with an answer, not a people with a question. And this doesn't even touch the issues of pornography, gambling, smoking, eating addictions. You know, I was thinking the other day, in the book of Genesis, you'll read these words that when God made the plants of the, the plants and the, the, the veg, uh, vegetable kingdom and the plant kingdom, when he made them, he turned to Adam and he said to Adam, he said, I give you authority and dominion over everything that I have made, the fishes of the sea, birds of the air, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, everything I've made. I make you king. You are to rule over all of them. But wait a minute. The devil has totally turned around what God said. Because alcohol comes from corn, cigarettes from the tobacco plant, heroin and all its derivatives comes from the poppy seed. What we're supposed to be ruling over is ruling over us. And that's the work of the devil. You're supposed to be able to look at that tobacco and put it down. Look at the alcohol, put it down. Look at the drugs, put them down. Because they all came from the plant kingdom that we're supposed to have dominion over. So the devil flipped the coin and said, now I'm going to make them rule over you where you will crave them. But no, no, you're supposed to be totally triumphant over that kingdom. But now, in America, we're an addicted culture. We're an addicted culture. Now I'm going to tell you something about issues. If you've got one, you know this is true. All issues have one thing in common. Every one of them have one thing in common. Sooner or later, they bring you to the place of desperation. An issue that is not from God will always bring you to the place of desperation. You know why? Because an issue never gets better on its own. An issue always gets worse on its own. You start out smoking those cigarettes, and I'm not condemning you. Listen, I used to smoke. I was a Marlboro kid. I love those Marlboros. And I'm not condemning you. I know what it's like to want to, to, to pick up a weed, a, a weed that you're supposed to have power over, and smoke it as if you're going to die if you don't get it. I'm not condemning you. I'm not condemning you. Please understand me. But you start out smoking a few a day, then a pack a day, then more than that a day, then a stronger cigarette, and notice that an issue always gets worse and worse and worse. Same with alcohol. Same with drugs of any kind. It gets worse and worse and worse until you are captive. You're a captive. What you used to want to do, and it was your choice to do, now you have no choice. Because now you who had it, it has you. And it's an issue. Now it's an issue. Issues always bring you to the point of desperation because of where they take you down to. There's always a death spiral involved in an issue. And it could be not just addiction issues, but relationship issues. If you don't deal with the relate, we've got people down there right now going through a marriage class for one reason or another. Uh, their marriages are all at different levels and different places. But I'm going to tell you something. There's issues in those marriage marriages. And if you think 
getting married is going to solve all of your problems, let me promise you something. You're going to deal with issues. Because here's a person with issues marrying somebody else with issues. Now you've got two sets of issues coming together. And you better get the wisdom of God or you're going to implode from issues. <laughs> Come on. But the issues always get worse and worse and worse until there is a level of desperation. Something happens and we get desperate. There's a level of desperation. We reach the place where we have got to have a breakthrough. We've got to have a breakthrough. Issues bend your knee in desperation. They make you cry out for deliverance. They move you to beg, if necessary, for relief. When you're on the receiving end of an issue, when an issue has taken you down a long, lonely road leading to that shadowy dead end, something in you snaps, just like the prodigal son, who it says, came to himself. And here's what you say. I want my life back. I want my life back. I'm so sick of this issue. It's bleeding me. It's hurting me. It's taxing me. It's robbing me every day of my life. I'm so tired of this thing being Lord in terms of its influence over my life instead of Him. I want my life back. If it's an addiction, you want your life back. If it's bitterness, you want your life back. If it's relationship-oriented somewhere in your marriage or with your children and it just won't go away, you finally say, I want normal back. Something's got to happen with this issue. And here's what happens with an issue. You've got to look that thing in the eye and say, it's either you or me. Because I can tell you're trying to kill me. You're trying to rob me. You're trying to steal from me. You're trying to take everything I've got. You're trying to interrupt God's will and purpose for my life. So, Mr. Issue, it's you or me, and it's not going to be me, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I'm going to deal with this issue. This woman in the Bible, with the issue of blood, shows us that when an issue takes you to your knees. You don't care what people think or say. You do not care what people think or say. You don't care how much effort it requires or how much time it exacts from you. Like Rachel who cried to her husband, Jacob, in her barrenness and said, give me children or I will die. You reach a place with an issue where you say, God, if you don't handle this issue, settle this issue, it's going to be the undoing of me. I've got to have deliverance and healing from this issue. This woman had reached the place of desperation. She said in her mind, and I'm sure out loud, it's me or this issue. Or this, issue. this issue has got to be settled. I've heard about this man, Jesus Christ. I've heard about what he's done. Somehow I believe. Somehow I believe. He understands the issue. So the Bible tells us, and it's very dramatic, if you use your sanctified imagination just a little bit it's very powerful because this woman who had to be anemic and she had to be bent and stooped uh, she had to look emaciated because she had been bleeding for 12 years so she she had to look pale and and run over and run down and worn out and and she begins to press through this crowd now the bible tells us they were clamoring and pressing in on jesus so there wasn't room now, we're full today, but I'm going to tell you, I could double this group in here today 
but we wouldn't have room to move. And it was like that. She was having to press through people, and she had this inside of her. I believe that that man can do something about my issue. And so I'm pressing through, I'm pressing through. So she pressed through. And the Bible tells us that she reached out. I can just picture that hem of his garment, the end of his robe, dragging along the ground as Jesus passed by. And she reached out and she just touched. She didn't even grab it. It says she just touched it. She just touched it. She, she saw it, probably reached through some legs and feet and just touched it on that dusty road where Jesus was walking and she touched the hem of his garment. Just touched it. It just flicked by. But as soon as skin touched the hem of the garment, something shot through her. I mean, it's powerful stuff. Something shot through her and shot through her body where all of a sudden this woman who had been nothing but sick for 12 years, had felt nothing but depletion for 12 years, and nothing but sickness and pain and weakness for 12 years. Suddenly there was a jolt. And she said within herself, Oh my gosh. I'm healed. For the first time in 12 years, the issue is settled. She said, though I've been taken out of the house of God, I have not been taken away from the God of the house. Even though people have rejected me, He has received me. And I've been healed of the issue. Now here is what strikes me. Jesus stopped. Oh, man. I just love the Word of God. Because here he is. He's just walking. There's people pressing in everywhere. Even his disciples said, what do you mean? Who touched you? Everybody's touching you. He said, ah, but this one, this one, this one was different. He's walking along, and suddenly he stops. Way more than mean Joe. Stopped. And he turns, and he says, who touched me? Well, they're all touching you. He says, no, no, this touch was different. You see, you can touch Jesus out of curiosity. I'm curious about how you drew all those people and why everybody's so fascinated with you. You can, tr- you can, you can touch Jesus out of intellectual curiosity. You, you can kind of get near him because you're religious, and so you go to church, and you think going to church and doing a little bit of these and, and having communion and listening to a preacher does something for you. You can get close to him, and you can touch him for a lot of different reasons. To some of you, he's a 911 God. Only when you're in big-time trouble, he's a flat tire God. Oh, i got a flat. I go to him when I've got a flat. I go to him when I'm in trouble. But otherwise, I don't really have a whole lot to do with Jesus. But no, this woman, this was, this was a desperate touch, and this was desperate faith touching him. This was the touch from somebody with an issue. And he said, I want to know who did it. She knew she was busted. And so she says, and you can only imagine, she's feeling a spring in her step for the first time in a long time. And she's saying, I might be busted, but I'm healed. I might be in trouble, but I'm whole. That issue has been settled. So praise God. Here we so It was me. And Jesus said, 
Here's how I know, because when you touched me, power went out of me. I read that, and here's what the Lord seemed to say to me. I have power for every issue. I have power for every issue. There's not an issue you can come up against that I don't have the power for it. See, Jesus knew this woman had an issue, and he said, her touch was different because it drew power out of me, and that power flowed out of me and into her because I have power for issues. There is not an issue you're facing that the power to heal it, to settle it, to solve it, to absolve it, to deliver you from it, does not reside in the person of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody. Now, I want you to say something with me. Jesus stopped over an issue. Now, see, here's what the devil will tell you. He's way too busy for your issue. Besides, your issue is wearing him out. You've repented 3,000 times. He has talked to you about this issue. And so now, don't go to him with your issue. Listen, one of the biggest lies of the devil is to get you to not take your issue to God because he'll tell you he's tired of it. You've repented so many times. It's too much. You've done it too many times. It's got too deep roots in you. He'll lie to you. He'll dissuade you. He'll distract you. Anything he can to keep you from taking your issue to him because he knows that in him, in his person, in his name, in his blood, in his stripes, in who he is, in the Alpha, the Omega, the bread of life, the light of the world, the answer, the truth, the way, the life, he knows that in him is an answer to your issue. Can you say with me, there is power in Jesus to solve my issues. Can you give him a hand of praise right now? I'm telling you. Oh, God, yes. Thank you, Lord. There is power in him to settle every issue. He's got wisdom for your problems, love for your broken heart, forgiveness for your sin, power for your deliverance, anointing for your addictions, hope for your despair, light for your darkness. He's got promises for your perplexity. There is nothing you can encounter that doesn't find its answer and solution in Jesus Christ. If you seek Him, you'll find Him. Be a God chaser, because one day He'll stop. And I see... One final thing in this message, in this story. She just had simple faith. There wasn't anything complicated about this woman. She was one of you, one of me. She wasn't a theologian. She wasn't an intellect. She just had an issue. I wish we could tell the whole city this. I wish I could have gotten to those two teenage girls before they threw away eight years of their life. And said to them, you don't need that cocaine. You're bowing your knee to a plant. <laughs> one day, one day you're going to bow your knee to the only one worth it. You might as well do it now. Because the minute you bow your knee to Jesus, he takes your issues. He knows what he's getting when he got you. Did you ever look up to God and say, you sure you know what you're getting into? Wanting me. 
I'm a mess. He says, I died for your issues. I died for the depression. I died for the confusion. I died for the weaknesses. I died for the issues. And when I rose from the dead, I triumphed over every issue in your life. I think that's why he walked on water, because water was their issue. It was the water that was keeping them. They were straining in their rowing. The wind was blowing against them, and they couldn't get anywhere in that water. So Jesus came walking on top of the issue. And that's exactly what he does with you and me. Can I tell you right now? Listen, work your faith up. Seek him. Because right now, he's walking on the very thing that vexes you. He's walking on it. He walks on your issue. And he'll give you victory over them. It might be wisdom. Lord, I don't know what to do in this situation. This issue is eating me alive. If you'll wait on him, he'll give you an answer. He'll give you something to do. You know, Kathy and I, when we went through that marriage class, we had issues. We had issues. And it bled for a long time. But you know, we found that if you seek God, he's got an answer. Lots of answers. It's not one, wow, what was all that about? No, you got to do the word. You have to act on it. But no matter how tangled a mess it looks like, he's got, only Jesus can untangle a ball of yarn. Now, we're not perfect at all, but I'll tell you what. I can't remember. It's been a long time since we had an argument. Yeah. Been a while. And you know, I get some of my boldness from Joyce Myers because she's always up there telling on Dave. Dave, that's Dave. That last week I was listening to her and she said, you know, I'd prayed myself all up. I'd prayed hard and sought God and read the word. Had one of the best prayer times I'd had in weeks. And Dave walked in and said one thing and it all went right out the window. And it always pans on Dave. I think, boy, Dave must be getting paid real good to always sit there because it panned on Dave and he's just, oh, yeah, you know, this is me. And she said, it just all went out the window and I started saying things and before I knew it, I was in the flesh. And I said, you know, Joyce, thank you for telling the truth. But she was a mess of issues. And now God used her to reach millions and millions of people. It's not that you have issues, it's what are you doing with them? You can let them kill you, or you can do something about it. So, Jesus, can you say with me, stopped for an issue. And he'll stop for you. He'll stop for you. And he'll heal the issues if you'll seek him. Can we stand together? Next week, don't miss next week, because I'm going to talk to you about a woman with a broken heart and how Jesus stopped to heal her. Jesus cares about your issues. He cares about your broken heart. Now, you know, some of you look at Kathy and say, how could you argue with something as sweet as that? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Hey, you can argue with anybody. If, 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 if that's there, you can argue. You can ruin anything. You've got to get wisdom from the issue solver. So, Father, we thank you that me and Joe Green 
stopping, turning, and imparting something cannot be compared to you. When you hear the cry of desperate faith, you stop and you turn and you impart. We thank you, not just for your steps, but for your stops. Now, I believe that this has spoken to a lot of you here today. Kathy, would you come up here and, and pray with me for this? I believe that <clears throat> this has spoken to a lot of you today. And if you can say, Pastor Jeff and Kathy, we have issues. I've got an issue. And it is, just like you said, it's bringing me to a place of desperation. And if it hasn't yet, I can sure see that it's going to, if it's not settled. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right where you are. Just raise it up. Say, I got an issue. I'm dealing with an issue. You know what? It can be an anger issue, a fear issue, a worry issue. It can be so many things. Unbelief, doubt. But it's an issue. Now, Father, we just pray right now for everyone with their hands raised that you will be the issue solver. Lord, that you would stop right there in their life, turn and impart something to them. Now, while you pray right now, say, Lord, I give you this issue. I release all rights to this issue. I release this issue to you. And I ask you, Lord, to take it into your creative hands. Give me wisdom. Give me your touch. Give me that impartation that is uniquely suited to this issue.